God is so amazing, and I just love being in his presence. And I love the way that he shows up here every time. I've been in churches before that don't have that many, that many tongues and interpretations in a year that we've seen in the last month, and that's, God is awesome. So God, I would title this message today, Control Your, control your Tongue, Control Your Life. Control your tongue, control your life. Um, I, it's been about five years and six months ago. It seems like I've preached about controlling your tongue and your words. It seems like I've preached on that a hundred times, and I've harped on it over and over and over and over again. But apparently we're not getting it because God keeps giving me the same thing. right? So I went back, and, and I was looking through my old stuff, and I have this thing on my voice notes. My wife records all my sermons on my voice notes in case the podcast messed up or the computer messes up or, or we have an audio interface back there. You don't know what that is. It goes through little boxes and, and all the things that have to happen back there to make it work. And sometimes it fails. Sometimes we push the wrong button. Sometimes the mic, some, something's not adjusted right, so we record it on the phone just to have a backup. And she can convert that to an MP3 file and upload it to our, to our Facebook or to our uh, podcast. So anyway, I, I started typing in there. I have this thing on my phone. So I started typing in and I was trying to find word, your, your tongue, your, your, your mouth, the way you use your words. And I, and I typed in all these different titles that I could think of and I couldn't find it anywhere except about five and a half years ago. We'd been here for about six months. God had me preach this message about sticks and stones. Anybody been here for five and a half years? A few of us have. My family and sister Tanya have been here for five and a half years. It was painful. I listened to it. I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm great. I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's gotten a lot better in five and a half years. So um, in the beginning of it, I started talking about sticks and stones. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but wordsman, it will never hurt me. Remember the old saying you heard when you were a kid? And, and, and you thought, yeah, that's right. Ver words can never hurt me. They're just vibrations out in the air. They're just things that I say, and, and, my, and, my, and the air goes over my vocal cords and around my tongue and my teeth and my lips and makes, makes vibrations out in the air, right? But they can cause psychological damage, right? They can call, cause intimidation, words can. Words can also cause confidence in people, right? Because of something that happened to you long ago, it can affect you the rest of your life. People, people can intimidate you with words when you were a child, and they still affect the way that, the, the way that, that you believe that you can do things today, Right? Or, or they, they can be confidence or, or, or they can be positive or negative. They affect what you think you're capable of still in your life today, the things that you heard when you were a child, right? So research shows that on average, now some people talk more and some people talk less, right? But on average, we open our mouth 700 times a day to start speaking, to speak. And we use 18,000 words a day, right? What are you doing with your words? Ask yourself this today. God used words to create. God, God he, he used words to separate the light from the darkness, right? To cause there to be light, then to separate it from the darkness. He used words to separate the water from the land, right? Jesus used words to heal, right? He was a master physician. These doctors today, they can say whatever they want to say, but they're just practicing medicine. Jesus was the master physician. He spoke and the cripple got up and walked away. Amen. Are you following me? The blind saw when he spoke. Leprosy fled. A foul spirit called leprosy fled when he spoke, right? People were fed because he, was, because of he spoke, right? In, in Proverbs 18 and 21, it says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Whatever words you're loving to talk about, whatever you like to talk about, you're going to run into those things again. You'll have the fruit of that thing, right? Remember last week when Philip's, Philip, Jesus said, Philip, where would we go to buy bread for all these people? Remember that, what we talked about last week? And Philip answered him, 
He was talking to Jesus, and he, and he answered in the, in the natural. Lord, I could work over six months and not have enough people, not have enough money to feed all these people just for them to have a little more soul bread, right? Sometimes I'm guilty of looking at the natural even while I'm talking to Jesus. Amen? We all do it, right? We all do it. Most of us need to learn how to talk. Now, we were at convention last week, and I heard one preacher, it was Tim at Gospel Lighthouse, say he loved his, his, his wife to life. Everybody else there I heard talking wrongly. I'm talking about people who were supposed to be spiritually, I'm not saying everyone talked wrongly, but I heard it from all levels, right? From the top down, I heard it. I heard it talked about that, that different people said, said different things that, that probably shouldn't have been said. They used their words in a wrong way. Y'all know what I'm, I'm talking about? People who are supposed to be mature Christians, supposed to be adult Christians, but they still use their words against themselves. And you hear it and you go, oh, that was wrong. Oh, they shouldn't have said that. But sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me that does those things, and I got to be reminded. My wife will say, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to say that? Do you want me to agree with you? Do you want me to agree with you when you say that, right? People say, talk about my anxiety or, or my diabetes or my migraine. There was a young lady at the bonfire this week, and she said she hated to drive at nighttime, and I said, what's wrong? Can't you see it at night? She said, no, I can see fine, but then my anxiety kicks in. We claim those things. We're spe Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We're getting what we're talking about, right? We talk about my, my diabetes. My, fam my family has a history of this or that or whatever, so I'm going to have it. The doctors even tell us that. What's the first thing they do when you go in your office? Fill out this paper. Tell us what's been wrong with your family because we're going to diagnose you with the same thing. Do they not? My family history. My bank account. I don't have enough. I can't afford to do that. We can't, we'd never be able to go on a trip like that because I can't afford it. I only make this much money now, right? When you spend all your time talking about the coronavirus, you're at greater risk. Think about that right there. When you spend all your time talking about it, instead of taking authority over it, my, my God said, I have authority over the coronavirus because coronavirus has a name, right? Yes. I have authority over the coronavirus, right? I understand that the coronavirus is real. This is just one example. This is one example, and it's, in our, it's going on in our world today, so I figured I'd talk about it for a second. I understand that it's real, and I understand there's precautions that we need, need to take. I get that. But can I tell you something? The doctors have no cure for it. So how about we try it God's way? He says take authority over it. He says speak to it. He says cast it out. He did it with epilepsy. Why can't we do it with the coronavirus? The world doesn't have an answer. Why don't we look to God for the answer? I'll tell you why, because most of us spend too much time in our TV instead of in the book, instead of in the word of God, so our faith is in what the TV, television set is telling us on the thing, right? All these people are going to get it, we're all going to die from it, all this is going to happen, instead of reading what the word of God is in. So when we're spending all of our time listening to that, what's our faith going to be in? Oh, it's getting quiet now. What have we deposited into our mind and into our heart? It's going to come back to us, right? I'm going to cover that in scripture here in just a minute. We've been programmed in this way. I just use this for, for an example. We've been programmed in this way for years to walk by sight. Look at the natural. You hear about all these things going on in the world today. You hear about riots. You hear about mobs of people. You hear about the coronavirus. You hear about all these things. And we've been trained for years and years, all my life. All my life I've been trained to look at things in the natural. Amen? Y'all been there too, right? 
living on the same ball of dirt I live on. We've been programmed for years to walk by sight, right? We have more confidence in the doctor than the word of God. We're waiting on them to come up with a cure for this thing, to come up with a shot that we can all take and we're going to be all right. What happened to taking authority over? What happened to believing in God? Right? 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't care what, what, what mom and dad or what, what the world's been training you up to do to look at the natural. God says look to him first. Look to him first. Look to his ways first. Read the book. If we're spending all of our time looking at the world, that's what our confidence is. That's where our hope's going to be at. Right? In James 3, 2 through 12. Brother Adam, that's your favorite book, I know. James 3, 2 through 12. And I forgot to give him the scriptures today to put it up here. You have to excuse me for that. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in the word, in word, not in the word, but in word, his word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. If we can just control our mouths, if we could just learn to talk the right way, if we could just learn to say the right things, even when we see the wrong things, speak what God's word says about it. Above and beyond anything else, right? You'd be able to bridle your whole body. You'd be able to control everything else if you could just control this little tongue right here. <clears throat> Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. All they, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, all the things. Imagine a storm out on the sea. Have you ever, have you ever seen a video? I've never been a part of one. Have you ever seen a video when there's about 40-foot waves on the ocean? You've seen it, right? And these big, huge ships are out there on the ocean, and they're just going up and down, and water's blowing over the top of them. And I don't understand why anyone would sign up to go in the Navy. I don't get it. I don't get it. you got to face things like that. And, and then there's this little rudder underneath the bottom of there that's tiny in comparison to the size of that ship. And even in all those fierce winds and those, and those waves going up and down and crashing and over the front of the boat, they can turn that boat to face it into the wind so they can weather the storm. That little bitty rudder has that much power, even in the, middle of a, in the midst of a, of a hurricane, in, 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 in this ship that weighs millions of tons, this little bitty small rudder in comparison to the ship turns the whole thing. <clears throat> in verse 5, oh, goes on to say that, look at the ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. That's just like us. This tongue weighs a couple ounces. My body weighs 240-something pounds. But this controls my future. It controls my life, the things that I speak, the things that I say. When I'm speaking things out, I'm going to show you in Scripture, I'm flinging things out in front of me. I'm going to come into contact with those things again. I'm going to have those things that I'm speaking back into my life. I'm going to show you a lot of Scripture today because I don't want you thinking this is just some crazy bullheaded guy for telling you this. It's from the Word of God. It's from the Word of God. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a little forest fire kindles. A little bitty forest fire, a little bitty spark has great consequences. Right? And the tongue is a fire of, of the world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that, that it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed. And 
and has been tamed by mankind, why do you think God didn't give any of them words to say? Think that's got something to do with the authority I was just talking about, taking authority over that thing? You have to have faith and words combined together to operate that authority, right? He gave man authority over animals, over everything with a name, it says. So if they had words that they could speak back at us, that would be a clash, right? That's, that's a bonus right there. But no man, verse 8 says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. He calls it a poison here. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in his similitude, or in the similitude of God, or in his likeness. Man's made in his likeness, and we're cursing that man at the same time. We're speaking out of both sides of our mouth. Most of the time we speak out of both, even people who are supposed to be mature Christians, let alone the young ones, let alone the people of the world who have no idea how to talk anyway, we speak out of both sides of our mouth. We say we, we bless God, we love God, our faith is in God, we trust in God. But oh no, I'm going to get sick. Oh no, I don't have enough funds to do that. Oh no, my family history. The doctor told me this. You get what I'm saying? Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought to not be so. Does, does a spring send... I know this is a lot of scripture, but I want to show you something here. Does a spring send, does a spring send forth fresh water? I was skipping the next line. Fresh water and bitter from the same opening. Can a fig, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and a grapevine bear, bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. So who decides what that thing, what that thing brings forth? Salt water or fresh water? The source. The source, Right? What is your source? Is your source in the world? Is it natural? Or is it spiritual? Is it the television set? Is it Facebook? Or is it this book? I know this is a tablet here today, but it's got my Bibles on it. Is it from the Word of God? What, what is your source? Because that's what's going to come forth out of your life. That's what you're going to be bringing forward, right? In Luke 6.45, it says, everybody got their Bibles? I forgot I didn't tell you today. Luke 6, 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his, of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart, that's what you're going to speak of. So this word right here, abundance, I looked it up at the Bible dictionary and in the Greek so I can show it to you. A surplus in the dictionary, the Bible dictionary, it says a surplus or superabundance, abundance that was left over and above. And in the Greek, it means an abundance in which one, does, one delights. Whatever you're delighting in, that's what, you're, that's what you're going to have an abundance of in your heart. Whether it's the television set, the beer joint. Whatever it may be, you're going to have an abundance of that in your heart, right? It goes on to say, of that which fills the heart, that which is left over a residue or remains. So let me ask you this today, church. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? And how did it get there? How did it get there? We can answer that question right here in this verse. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit. How do you get treasure? We hear treasure maps. We hear bank accounts. You have to make a deposit to have treasure, though. That treasure was deposited in that thing. So who's in control of the, the deposit of your heart? We are. So what are you pouring into yourself? What are you putting into yourself? What are you putting into your heart? And what's inside of you? 
We know how it gets there. So if it's anything besides the word of God, we're in control of that, right? Think about it. What's in your heart? What do you talk about? What are you using your 18,000 words a day for? How do you talk? <clears throat> Who you hang out with will affect your, your words also, which is ultimately going to affect your life. In Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. If you're hanging out with people doing things you know they're not supposed to be doing, it's going to affect you. You're blessed if you're not hanging out with them, it says. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And this word scornful means to scorn, to make mouths, to talk arrogantly, or to boast. If they're boastful and they're prideful and they're sinning and they're doing things against God, you shouldn't be hanging out in those places. You shouldn't be hanging out with those people. If they're not using the right words, find some new friends. Find some new friends, right? If you till a garden... If you till a garden up, you can get saved and you can come to God. You can ask him to forgive you of all your sins. When I till my garden up, I like to till it up about three times before I ever put anything in it. Because I till it and wait a few days and let that weed that was turning the grass, everything that was turning there, let it all die and get good and dead. Then I turn it up again and you'll see less, but there's still some there. But when you turn it up that third time and you, after you've waited a few days, it's just good black dirt, right? And when you till that garden right there, something's going to grow in it. Something is going to grow in that. You can come in here and you can ask God to forgive you of your sins and he'll clean you as white as snow. But you got to do something with that dirt. You got to do something with it. You can't afford to make bad deposits. You can't afford to go to wrong places. You can't afford to hang out with the wrong people who say the wrong things, who are going to affect you and you're making those deposits into your heart and those things are going to come out and be in your future. Be in your future, right? When he's talking about that word flinging forth earlier, he'll bring forth good things. Or I don't know if I cover that scripture or not, but what the scripture talks about flinging forth, he flings forth, you're flinging forth your words. That's like seed. You're throwing seed out in front of you. You're going to come in contact with these things again, right? You can't afford to make a bad deposit. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, talks about casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ. You see those wrong people, they're going to give you wrong imaginations. They're going to give you wrong thoughts. The enemy is going to come against you. I, I can imagine my imagination kind of like this projector, and, and, and there's a screen in there, and I can imagine things, how they're going to be, either for the good, God's way, or for the world's way. I can imagine those things. And when I spend time imagining things over and over, and I play that movie over and over again in my mind, What's going to come out of my mouth? Your words have power. Life and death. Life and death. <clears throat> Most look at life like a checkbook. Most of us do. We look at life like a checkbook. And we have a checkbook. And you all remember checkbooks. I don't even keep a checkbook anymore. I just look at the bank. and They're pretty good at math. And, and I know about where I use my debit card at. And it shows me what I have in the bank. And if I know if I don't have that much in there, then I don't spend that much, right? But if, I, if my number is bigger than the number that I want something, then I can buy that thing as long as the rest of my bills are paid, my tithes are paid. That's how I do it. But back when we used to keep a checkbook, some of y'all might not remember that, but we used to keep a ledger. And you'd put your deposit in there, and then you would subtract every time you spent something, every time you paid a bill, every time you wrote a check, every time you made a, a withdrawal, you would subtract that. and You would keep that thing, and it had your balance in there. You had a number of what your balance was. Some of y'all know how to still do that, right? We look at life like that, though, and life says, I've got this much. The world will tell you, 
you're this much. This is what you can do, what you can see, what the world says you are, what the world says you can do, right? Does that make sense? We look at life like that instead of looking at God and what he says we can do, right? In Romans 12, 3, it says God gave to each man the measure of faith, the same measure of faith that he used when he raised, God, when he, when he raised Jesus from the dead, the same measure of faith that he used when he spoke the world into existence, right? In Hebrews 11 and 3, it says, by faith, we understand that, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that, so that the things which are seen were not made, made of things which are visible. God spoke and the world came into existence. Can you even wrap your brain around that? He spoke and then there was light. He didn't say, man, it sure is dark in here. Man, I wish I had some company. Sure wish I had something to eat. I'm starving. In my migraine, God never said words like that. He said, let there be light because he wanted light. Right? He said, let there be a draft because he wanted a draft. He said, let there be water and let the water be separate from dry land because I want a place for this man to live. That's how he spoke. That's how God spoke. Church, your words frame your world. God made us in his likeness. He made us to have faith and to have authority and for our words to have power. Your words have power and they frame your world. You may not have money in that checkbook that we were talking about, but you have your words. You have your words. How do you choose to use your words? In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, For surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that, that those things he says will be done, he will have, have whatever he says. Say that with me. He will have whatever he says. He was talking about a mountain here, but he had just cursed a fig tree and the fig tree had just died. He wasn't talking about a literal mountain. He was talking about anything in our life that looks like we can't get over it, under it, around it. He was talking about anything with a name. Whoever speaks to this thing and has faith the size of a mustard seed, he'll have whatever he says. Your faith plus your words equals have. Isn't that what Jesus was saying here? Your faith plus your words equals have. Now, you can't just go out and speak anything and everything. If you could, I'd win the Powerball tomorrow. I'd never go back to Ford again. Right? This would be my only job. I'd be in the full-time ministry overnight. But you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. You must live according to God's standards and his statutes. Amen? You've got to be living right, the way that God designed us to live. Right? You've got to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're following the leading with the Holy Spirit, when you're dependent on his plan instead of my plan... Then I'm speaking things that are according to his will, according to his word, right? <clears throat> Another time Jesus said, say to the mountain, besides the fig tree, was the boy with epilepsy. After he cured the boy with epilepsy, after Jesus spoke to the foul spirit, it ran off, took off out of there, had to go. It, it's in Matthew 17, 14 through 22. I'm not going to read it to you today. I don't have time for that. But he, talks, he says this same thing. Whoever says to this mountain will have whatever he says he's going to have. So he said this after a fig tree. He said this after a foul spirit. 
And he's used his words in that same way both times. That's proof right there, isn't it? The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, there's a couple witnesses right here. When your faith is in God because of your relationship, when, you, when your faith is in God because you know he is the source, not the world, we're not looking to them to help us. We have to go into the world. We have to work jobs. I get all those things. We have to live in the world. We have to have things in common with people of the world so that we can be able to talk to them and they can relate to us so we can tell them about God. Not the same things in common that they like to do, but we have to have some things in common, right? When you know that he is the source, when you depend on God because you know that he'll do it again, right? You don't talk fear, doubt, and unbelief. When your faith and your confidence is in God, when you're living according to his statutes, when you're doing these things, when you're getting into the book, when, when you have a firsthand experience with God, when you have that ongoing relationship that you spend time in his fellowship, in his presence, church, we shouldn't be talking fear, doubt, and unbelief. We're only talking that because we're putting it into ourselves. Somewhere, somehow there's a leak. We're putting those things into our heart. We don't talk, you, you don't talk fear, doubt, and unbelief. You don't talk poverty. You don't talk sickness. You don't talk worldly ways if they haven't been deposited. Church, somewhere, somehow, we're, we're depositing things in our heart that we want no part of. We want no part of those things. I know that we all do this. Because I sit around and I listen. And I correct people sometimes. I've asked them before, do you want me to agree with you on that? Are you sure you know what we're talking about there? Because I hear people from brand new baby Christians to people who should be mature adult Christians talking the same way that I hear people in the world talking. Using them words against themselves like they don't know any better. Like we forgot what the word says. Church, we've got to get better at this. We've got to correct this thing. Pay attention to your spouse. Pay attention to your kids. Kids, pay attention to what your parents are saying. And remind them of it. I'm not saying be disobedient or be disrespectful to your parents. But just say, did you mean to say that? Are you sure that's what you want? Because Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, shall eat the fruit thereof. Whatever you continue to talk about, you're going to run into that thing again. That seed's being flung out in front of you. You're going to meet up with it again. That's what you're going to have. You're going to eat that fruit. Are we sure that's what we want today? Think about it, church. If we could get every head bowed. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy. We just praise you, mighty name, Lord. We thank you for your infallible word, Father God. I thank you that we, I just pray to you, Father God, that you would remind each and every one of us, Lord, to guard our mouths, Lord, to, to guard our hearts, Lord, what we're putting into our hearts through our ears, Lord. Your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God, Father. And I know that faith can be in, in worldly things. Faith can be in the word, Father God. Faith can be in you, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to, to realize where we're getting these things that cause us to speak wrong, Father God, and cut them off, Daddy. Stop the flow of those things into our hearts, Father God, so that we would, we would have something different coming out of our mouth, Lord, that we would speak your word, Lord. Cause us to spend more time in your word, Lord, more time in fellowship with you, Daddy, that we would speak the things that you would have us to say, Lord, that line up with your will, Father God, that line up with your ways, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts, Lord, change our minds, Father God. Just draw us near to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Daddy. Amen. Amen. Imagine just if the people right here today would talk right for one week. 
Think about the difference that could make. If we didn't have wrong words coming out of our mouth just for one week, and then the next week would be a little better. Right? Amen. Shake hands and come out smiling.